The Protestant Reformation, then and now, takes you on an exciting spiritual journey that explores church history in the 1500s, Bible prophecy in these last days, and the mighty issues facing each one of us today as we await the glorious return of Jesus Christ. Enjoy these eye-opening presentations with Pastor Steve Wolberg of Whitehorse Media. Halloween night in the year 2017 wasn't just a night of vampires, witches, ghosts, and tombstones, but it was actually the 500-year anniversary of one of the most monumental events in human history. 500 years earlier, on October 31, 1517, a bold German monk named Martin Luther raised a hammer and nailed onto the front door of a church in the city of Wittenberg, Germany, 95 statements of protest against small pieces of paper called indulgences that were being sold by the Roman Catholic Church. Little did Luther realize that his earnest protest would not only be remembered 500 years later, but that it would become a spark to ignite one of the most influential movements in history, now known as the Protestant Reformation. This program that you're listening to right now is part one of a 10-part series called The Protestant Reformation Then and Now. In this special series, I will discuss what the Protestant Reformation was really all about, how another Reformation is desperately needed right now, and some specific things that need to be reformed. So let's begin with prayer. Dear Father in heaven, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray for light and for truth as we study the Bible and look at this hot topic. Please bless us all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into the controversial and meaty details, here are three enlightening pieces of information. Number one, uh, can you guess what is the world's all-time best-selling book? If you guessed Harry Potter, you're wrong. It's the, the Holy Bible. Uh, point number two, do you know the name of the most famous person in all of human history? The answer is, of course, it's Jesus Christ. He himself is the center of the world's best-selling book, which is the Bible. Point number three, next to Jesus, do you know the name of the single person who has had more books written about his life than any other human being who's ever lived? If you guessed Martin Luther, the German monk who united the Protestant Reformation on October 31, 1517, you got that one right. So we've got the Bible is our best-selling book. Jesus is the most famous person in all of history. And Luther is next as far as uh, people that have been talked about, written about, commented upon. And as I mentioned, uh, 500 years post the Reformation, people are still talking about what Luther did even today. So that's what this 10-part radio series is about. It's about the Bible. It's about Jesus. It's about Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation then and now. And the best place for us to start is Europe in the 1500s. So let's go back and just gather a few facts. Europe was just coming out of what is called the Dark Ages. The most powerful church in Europe at that time was the Roman Catholic Church, centered in the Vatican, based in Rome, Italy. 
And it's very important to understand that up until the 1400s and the 1500s, there were very few copies of the Holy Bible in existence. Most people had never seen a Bible because there was no, no printing press. And, but that changed in the year 1415 when Gutenberg's press was invented. Prior to that, few people had ever read God's Word. Because of this, many traditions had insidiously worked themselves into Christianity through the influence and the leaders of the Roman Catholic Church. Some of these traditions were these. Uh, number one, the idea that sinners should confess their sins to priests in order to be forgiven. Another one was the teaching that there was one particular human being called the Papa or the Pope who had more spiritual authority than any other living person on planet Earth. Another teaching was that sinners should pray, not just to our Heavenly Father in the name of his son Jesus, but also to Mary, the mother of Jesus. This teaching was especially taught by popes. Another idea was that when a person dies, if he wasn't quite good enough for heaven or bad enough to go to hell, that their souls would soar off into a middle place called purgatory. And another idea, especially in the 1500s, was the teaching called indulgences. And the idea was that if you gave a certain amount of money to the church for a piece of paper called an indulgence, then all your sins would be forgiven. And that included sins that you've committed in the past, sins that you might commit in the present, or even sins that you might commit uh, in the future all the way up to the point of your death. It was the promotion of indulgences that led this German monk, Martin Luther, to make his protest. And this was the spark that ignited a mighty movement to reform the Christian church nearly 500 years ago. But let's, uh, let's back up a little bit and focus a little more on Luther himself. As a young teenager, uh, his plan was to go to law school. But one day, and the exact day was July 2nd, 1505, as young Martin Luther journeyed to school to study law, he was caught in a fierce storm. Lightning flashed all around him, the thunder rolled, and he was absolutely terrified. He thought, this is it, I'm, I'm gonna die. So he prayed a prayer. Help me, Saint Anne, he prayed. If you do, I'll become a priest. I'll dedicate my life to God. Well, history tells us, obviously, that Luther didn't die. And so to keep his vow, he quit law school, much to the disappointment of his father, and he joined a monastery. Eventually, he became a Roman Catholic priest, and he was placed in the city of Wittenberg, Germany, as a theology professor at the university and as a pastor of the town church. Somewhere along the way, as he was searching through books in a library, Martin Luther found a copy of a Latin Bible. Now, at that time, Luther had never seen a Bible in his life. Uh, this was just a few years after Gutenberg's press, and there weren't very many Bibles in existence, and uh, Luther happened to find one of them. And as I mentioned, he'd never seen a Bible in his life, and he was just, uh, he was in awe as he looked at the entire Word of God, the Old Testament, the New Testament, 
uh, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the New Testament letters, the book of Revelation. Uh, all these books were right in front of him, and his eyes were just wide open. And he started reading the Bible. And as he eventually got a copy of his own Bible, he discovered the beauty of God's holy word. And at the same time, he saw the danger of traditions that worked their way into Christianity that were contrary to the book that Luther was reading and that little by little was changing his life. Now, as I mentioned, there's a lot of books written about Luther. You can go to a library. You can Google his life. Uh, there's plenty of information about the different stages in his journey. But uh, as far as this series goes, and really as far as history goes, uh, one of the defining moments was when the crisis hit, when a Roman Catholic official by the name of Tetzel was appointed to sell indulgences in Germany to raise money to build St. Peter's Church in Rome. Now, if we fast forward to the month of October in the year 1517, what happened was a lot of Martin Luther's church members in the town of Wittenberg uh, had purchased these indulgences. They gave money to Tetzel or to other representatives of the church to buy certificates of indulgence, and they eventually started bringing them to Professor Luther. And they expected that he would agree that their sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. But by this time, Luther had been reading his Bible a lot. His eyes had been opened, and he knew uh, that this just, this just was impossible. He read verses like Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that says that the just shall live by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And of course, some of those works included paying money to Tetzel. And then there was John 3.16, which I'm sure Luther read many times, where Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would not pay money, but who, whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Another verse is Matthew 15, verse 9, where Jesus taught, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In October of the year 1517, Luther knew that purchasing forgiveness by giving money to the church was a scam. It was impossible. There's just no way that God recognized such a travesty where grace and salvation was apparently purchased with money. That's why Luther decided to post his 95 statements on the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, protesting these indulgences. He also said that the next day he would defend his statements at the university, which he did. The result of Luther's protest was uh, far beyond what Luther ever expected. It resulted in ultimately the rise of a massive movement called the Protestant Reformation, which literally shook Europe. It opened the eyes of millions. It freed countless sinners from uh, false, deceptive doctrines. It brought sinners to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
It taught people the importance of personal faith in Jesus alone as Savior and practically knocked the Pope off his papal throne. You can Google the Protestant Reformation. You can go to the library. You can go to Christian bookstores. You can read uh, about what happened back then in the 1500s. And there's just no doubt that it was uh, an incredible movement, a mighty spiritual movement, a movement that the Holy Spirit was deeply involved in. And ultimately, uh, to make it real simple, it was a movement that stressed getting back to the Bible, away from the traditions of men, back to Jesus Christ, back to faith in Jesus, and back to his grace alone for forgiveness redemption, and salvation. Now, one of the questions that a lot of people have been asking as we go down 500 years later, uh, 2017, 2018, and beyond, the question is, should the Reformation continue today? Is there any more of a, of a need for a reform? Uh, it was interesting that in the year 1517, an article came out in the Washington Post. It was the very day of the uh, 500-year commemoration, October 31, 2017. I'm reading, this is the headline of the Washington Post article. It was called, The Protestant Reformation Was 500 Years Ago. What Needs to Be Reformed in American Religion Today? Uh, I read this article with interest. You can Google it and what's happening in this article. It starts out by saying, this month marks a half millennium since Martin Luther launched a challenge to the Catholic Church, known as the Protestant Reformation, which remade Christianity in the West. To mark the anniversary, the Washington Post asked faith leaders as well as post readers, what do you think needs reforming in the practice of religion in the United States today? And then there's what follows is statements from various uh, pastors and church leaders from different denominations giving their opinions on whether the Reformation is relevant, whether uh, there still are things that need to be reformed today. Some One pastor says we need to uh, have a reform in our understanding of the poor and of their need for, uh, for social justice. Our commitment to the poor needs to be revived. There's other statements about, uh, here's one where one woman said that we need reform by bringing religion to its proper place, which is in the privacy of the individual mind and heart. And then there's somebody else that talked about uh, the reform when it comes to gender inclusivity and uh, stop being so, we need to stop being so exclusive about the way we relate to uh, men and women and women's reproductive rights, and uh, the list just goes on and on of different opinions from different religious leaders about what needs to be reformed. Well, I'm of the conviction that, that there definitely is a tremendous need for reform today. And as we get farther into this series, I'm going to get very specific. We're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at the book of Revelation. We're going to look at the teachings of Jesus and we're going to talk about some very um, practical and controversial areas that clearly do need to be reformed. And not only that, but uh, some of these are actually predicted in Bible prophecy. Now, as we get closer to the end of this first program, I want to direct you to some statements in the book of Daniel. Daniel 
is the Old Testament complement of the book of Revelation. I've done a lot of research on Daniel and Revelation. I've done a lot of teaching on Bible prophecy. And in Daniel chapter 12, in verse 4, we have a very interesting statement where an angel spoke to Daniel and he said, But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, the Reformation took place over 500 years ago, and people are wondering, you know, is there anything relevant to the Reformation today? Uh, I believe there definitely is. That's why this, this series is called The Reformation Then and Now. And when you look at this text in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, it talks about a time period called the time of the end. And I believe that we are living in that time. It's a time right before Jesus Christ returns to earth. Jesus was here once. He was born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of prophecy. He lived a holy life, the only life ever lived, where there was no sin, not in his mind, not in his heart. He lived a perfect life. And at the end of that life, in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross, Jesus suffered uh, incredibly to pay the price for your sins and for mine. And no human being has ever done that. No human being has ever lived a perfect life uh, like Jesus. No human being has ever been born who didn't have an earthly father. I was thinking about that recently and just really uh, stirred about the fact that when you read the New Testament, you read uh, the book of Matthew and, and Luke chapter 1, it's very clear that when Jesus was conceived inside of the Virgin Mary, it was not because Mary and Joseph came together. It was because the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and the angel Gabriel said that the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you and that that holy thing to be conceived inside of you shall be called the Son of God. And Jesus is the only one who was born into this world who didn't have an earthly father. Uh, and that's why that's one reason why he is the son of God is because uh, Joseph wasn't his dad, but God was his father. And there's just so many things that are unique about Jesus. He's the only one to live a perfect life. He's the only one to have pure, unselfish love in his heart. And he's the only one to pay the price for human sin. And he's the only one who did that and then rose from the dead. And when Luther finally discovered the uniqueness of Jesus, that he didn't need to pray to uh, St. Anne and didn't need to pray to the saints and didn't need to confess his sins to priests, that really his salvation was centered in one person, just one person, and that was Jesus. It changed his life. Uh, and he became a mighty a mighty reformer, a mighty preacher of the Word of God, a mighty teacher of salvation by faith in Jesus alone, through grace alone, as he read the Bible alone, or as his, his main book. And so Jesus' life was unique. Luther preached about Jesus 500 years ago, and Bible prophecy predicts that we're going to come down the line to a time called the time of the end. And when the time of the end hits, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, says that many will run to and fro, 
And from what I've studied, that actually has to do with the eyes of men running back and forth or moving back and forth on the pages of the scroll, on the pages of the books of Daniel and Revelation. And the prophet said that many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. There's going to be an increase of information. There's going to be an increase of knowledge, an increase of truth down at the time of the end. If you go down to verse 9, the angel again spoke to Daniel, and he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So there's the time of the end mentioned twice. The time of the end is not the end. It's a time period right before the end where God is trying to get people ready for the end, ready for the return of Jesus when he, when he actually comes back again in the clouds of heaven. And the very next verse, in verse 10, says, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand. Now, let's just put these pieces together. Uh, Verse 4 talks about the words of the book, which specifically apply to the book of Daniel. These words are going to be sealed up until the time of the end, and then knowledge is going to be increased. Verse 9 basically says the same thing, that the words of, of the prophecies are going to be closed up and sealed until the time of the end. And then verse 10 says that when when those words are unsealed and when those words are opened up and when the eyes of men and women down right before Jesus comes back again in the time of the end start going back and forth uh, in the scroll of the book, in the scroll of the words of the prophets, which has to do with the the Bible, that what's going to happen is the result is going to be a purification a purification that's going to happen inside the hearts of men, women, and children. Now, it's not going to be everybody. Not everybody's going to be reformed. Back in Luther's day, there were a lot of uh, people that were stuck in their traditions. They were sold on the idea of indulgences. Uh, They believed in purgatory. They believed in confession of sins to priests. They believed in the uh, ultimate authority of one particular man called the Pope. And when Luther began to challenge these views and teach people uh, that instead of looking to the Pope, we need to look at Jesus, we need to look at the Bible, we need to look at faith, and we need to look at grace and trust in grace alone instead of the works of, uh, the works of men, there were a lot of people that said, no way, we can't, uh, we can't go along with this. And the battle raged uh, after Luther posted his 95 protests on the door. Uh, There's a long history about Luther's life. You can read uh, many, many books about the battle between the Pope and the monk, between tradition and truth, between uh, the doctrines of the Catholic Church and the doctrines of the Bible. And my conviction is that that battle is not over. That battle continues today. Uh, There are a lot of things that Luther led out and reformed back in the 1500s, and other Protestants followed him. But there are other things that need to be reformed today. There are other things that need to be purified out of our lives. And this prophecy in Daniel 12, verse 
verse 10 says, many shall be purified and made white. And then they will be tried, just like Luther was tested. We're going to be tested. Uh, I've been a Christian for almost 40 years, and I've had many tests in my life. I've had many battles, many struggles. Uh, I grew up in, personally, I grew up in Southern California in the Hollywood Hills. I grew up in a Jewish family. I didn't read the Bible until I was 20 years old. Uh, At the age of 20, I found a Bible and began to read it, a little bit like Luther. Luther found a Latin Bible and began to read it, and little by little, the Word of God changed Luther's life, and little by little, the Word of God changed my life. And it has opened my eyes, and it has resulted in a lot of purification of things that I used to do that I don't do anymore. I don't smoke marijuana anymore. I don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't go out to the wild parties anymore. Uh, By the grace of God, my life has been changed. I now have uh, a wonderful wife. I live in North Idaho. I direct White Horse Media. I have a a wonderful group of people that I work with. I have a beautiful uh, little daughter named Abigail, a son named Seth. And I can testify, just like Luther testified, of the power of the grace of God and of the power of God's word. I have been deeply uh, convicted and the Lord has taught me that his word is more important than all the traditions of men. His word is more important uh, than, than all of the teachings and ideas and philosophies of men. One word from God is more important than 10,000 words from men. And I'm deeply convinced that we are living in the time of the end, that we are not far away from the coming of Jesus. As I look around the world, I see uh, chaos, I see confusion, I see anger, I see hatred, I see uh, natural disasters, earthquakes, fires, floods. Uh, All the evidence is in for me, based on my reading of God's book, that we are living in the time of the end, that we are not far away from the coming of Jesus that we are living in a time when God wants another mighty reformation to take place. Uh, And it's interesting that one of the things that led to the reformation in the 1500s was the discovery and the invention of the printing press. It was through media, it was through uh, printing that Luther's 95 statements were able to multiply in Germany and throughout Europe. And Luther eventually translated the Bible Uh, into German, and it was because of the printing press that people read that Bible. And Luther also wrote tracts, and because of his tracts, the Reformation spread throughout Europe and around the world. And today, we live in a time of media. We live in a time of radio, television, internet, satellite, YouTube, Facebook, social media, Twitter, etc., etc., etc. And I'm convinced that the time is ripe. It's ripe for Uh, the final reformation where the words of God are unsealed in the last days, where many shall be purified, made white, and tested and tried in the final hours right before Jesus Christ comes again. So that's what this series is about, this series about the reformation then and now. Our next program is going to be very controversial, but completely historical and biblical, and it's called Martin Luther, Jesus Christ, and Antichrist. So I hope that you'll tune in and keep listening to this special series. I hope you'll stick with me and hopefully uh, grab your own Bible, just like Luther did, just like I've been doing, and open the Word of God and let the light shine into your soul, that it will bring you to Jesus, to His grace, to His power, and to his truth 
in the time of the end as we prepare for his soon return. You've been listening to The Protestant Reformation Then and Now with Pastor Steve Wolberg of Whitehorse Media. To learn more about this topic, order your copy of the inexpensive pocketbook titled The Vanishing Protestant by calling 1-800-78-BIBLE, by ordering online at whitehorsemedia.com, or by purchasing the ebook on amazon.com.